I was always like, I'm not going to be the best radio announcer, but I'm always going to be the one who works the hardest to try and be the best. So outwork every motherfucker. And maybe if that door's not opening, try another window because maybe you're just knocking on the wrong door. So maybe just slightly change your focus. Because I always thought I was going to be an actor and the acting door was like, no, thanks, you can't act. (laughs) And I've watched my tapes back. I truly could not act. But the window was radio. And, you know, when I auditioned and and was at NIDA and they said, we just can't see you being a presenter, I just filled in on the loop uh, for 10 weeks. And I was like, holy shit, I'm a TV presenter. And I thought, you know what, I got here because I was myself. So, like, maybe the greatest role I'll ever play is me. That is comedian, author, and YouTube superstar Tanya Hennessy. And this is the second week of the best of Better Than Yesterday for 2019. Hello and welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. We are into week two of our best of 2019 and we're going to revisit the extraordinary Tanya Hennessy. She's everywhere online. Tanya Hennessy, Tanya with a Y. Hennessy like the hip hop song drink. Um, you can find her everywhere. More about Tanya in a moment. Thanks to everybody that left a comment on the iTunes store. It does help us a lot. Um, new people come all the time and you people leave people leave the show all the time that's fine i'm subscribed from podcasts that i don't listen to all the time so it's super helpful to help other people find out about the show if you rate review and recommend and subscribe to the show wherever you can and just you know just telling us someone else about the show is really the thing that helps us the most you know just mention it over dinner have a conversation with someone maybe on the phone to the power company i was on the phone to the power company today uh yesterday and um the bloke from power shop he was an irish fellow we started talking about the blind boy podcast which i adore and um, it was great. We had a good chat. Uh, but yeah, just have a chat about a podcast with a stranger. And um, that really helps the show. Thank you very much to Belly Boo Scooby-Doo. What a great name. On um, the iTunes podcasts, Apple podcast app, who reviewed the show. Uh, we Are All One is the name of the review. I'm loving Osher's authenticity. He shines warm light into some dark, unspoken corners of humanity with humility, humor, vulnerability, and honesty, reminding me we are all one. Keep up the good work, mate. Well, thank you very much. We are. We're all one. If you do want to get in touch with me, the best way is to email, send us your email at gmail.com. I do not check Instagram anymore. Instagram for me is now one-way street. I use an app called Later to publish to Instagram. And Haley, who used to produce the show, now produces my social media stuff. Haley takes care of all the commenting and all that kind of stuff. So I don't read DMs. If you want to get in touch with me, just email me. Send us your email at gmail.com. I always love to see where you're listening to the show. Kirby is listening to the show, I believe, in South Australia. I've been living in Adelaide for a nursing placement. Your podcasts have kept me company for the long drives to the southeast of South Australia every weekend. The episode with Rebecca Giles really shook me. Love your work and peace. Thank you very much, Kirby. And another great one came in from Caroline. Listening, great picture, Caroline. Listening uh, on the beach in Puerto Escondido in Mexico, Ep 254. Oh, crikey, Caroline. Bit of catching up to do, but you'll get there. Awesome. Uh, thanks heaps for that. Love to see where you're listening from. Uh, this one came in from Helen. It's kind of Helen setting the tone for the rest of what I want to talk to you about today. Your latest update interview kept me company as I drove from Wamberol on the central coast to Mossman. 
to photograph a wedding. The update finished as I parked the car back at home. We are 20 kilometers from the fires, but many close friends are near the front line. My husband is an RFS volunteer. Behind me, as a photograph of her in front of a beautiful paddock. Behind me are two evacuated horses we are mining for people closer to the fires. Bottom line, the situation sucks and our government are not representing our interests in the slightest. Good things come out of bad times, such as the incredible community spirit and support up here on the coast. You're the best. Thank you so much for that, Helen. Really appreciate that. Thanks for helping make today a little bit better than yesterday. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. This one came in from June. Just finished to your latest uh, check-in on the 20th of December. As I arrived at work, I stepped out of the car and was confronted with a strong smell of smoke, the distinct smell of bushfire smoke. Uh, you may wonder in light of what's happening. It's been the norm over the past few weeks, but Osher, I am in Melbourne. It's 42 degrees. As I got out of my car, my Vic emergency app sent out an alert of poor quality air much of it from the New South Wales fires and some from the fires that will burn all over all summer in East Gippsland. I live in the beautiful Macedon Ranges right near Hanging Rock. And this coming up, this upcoming summer has put me on edge. I'm fearful that we've become complacent since Black Saturday and our area luckily escaped, but the ranges haven't burned since Ash Wednesday. And although I'm hopeful this will stay the case, it's just harder and harder and it feels more intense. Thanks for being clear in your discussion. I've been listening over the past 12 months and I've laughed, cried, and your podcast has given me direction and tools that allowed me to focus over what's important. Stay safe over this holiday period. Thank you so much for that. So yeah, to check in with you on this Monday before Christmas, 2019 it is i'm recording this sunday the 22nd of december i'm recording this on sunday 2019 second 22nd of december so if you're listening to this next week or if you're listening to this in five years from now you know what happens next so you're listening and you know exactly what we do next and what happens next so here's before we knew what happened next there is some heavy effects of climate change happening in australia right now firefighters have died fighting blazes trying to protect people in homes many more have been injured it's incredibly tragic it's unspeakable how much of our country has been destroyed already i know i talk about it a lot but my mate sent me a <laughs> sent me a video this morning of a uh, he's standing in his friend's backyard and it's a 737 firebombing western sydney at 300 feet um, there's a line of trees behind the house there in the backyard. It's full on. It's happening. So what can we do? I talked on uh, Monday about, you know, donating to the um, RFS and donating to FRRR. That's what we can do to help. We can help those who can help. Because uh, I don't know how to fight a fire. I can't fly a 737, but I can donate to people who can. But the thing that we can do, the thing that you and I can do is we can talk about this to people that need to be talked to about this when the opportunity arises. And we're coming in to the Christmas period when we're talking to people that we don't speak to a lot. It's a little bit tricky to come off like you have not got a tinfoil hat on. I should know. I actually went crazy because of this stuff. But this Christmas, when you're around family, it is the time to talk about it. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. But you've done it before. You did it when you pulled up your old grandpa when he wanted to tell you that joke about how many Ab Aboriginal people it took to change a light bulb. You've done it already when you talked to your, your uncle, your cranky old uncle, you know, when he wanted to talk to you about how he only ever used to hire secretaries that if they put his hand on his shoulders, 
And after the elbow stuck out further than their chest, he didn't hire them. That was told to me over a Christmas dinner. So you've said it before. You've pulled someone up for being a sexist. You've pulled someone up for being racist. You can do it again. You can do it again. You've done it before. You can do it again. Just be strong. Be clear. Speak without blame. Speak without emotion. Just state facts. This is climate change. Longer and more severe bushfire seasons is exactly what science said would happen years ago. This is what the science told us would happen. What the science says is will happen next, will happen next. This is climate change. There is no ignoring it. We need to work together to manage it. We need to figure out how we can live happily and healthily. We do. We do. We will. We'll have, you know, we'll live great lives. We'll be kind to each other. We'll still go to concerts. You know, life's going to be great, but we need to figure it out. I had to have the same conversation. I had to have the conversation with my father-in-law. You've heard me talk about doing some work in his garden on Bribey Island there out of Brisbane. Just a, a, His house is a metre above the high tide mark on the canal there. I had to have a conversation with him about sea level rise. Thankfully, he was open to it. And he listened when I said, mate, look, it's not an if, it's a when the sea comes up. You're going to have, you know, you going to want to have done the right thing with his asset. You know, anyway, he kind of got it. He understood it very clearly. I kept calm. I didn't have panic in my voice. Didn't have any blame or resentment at the failures of the government to do anything about it. You know, just spoke in the same way that, you know, if, if I left for work and I saw that there was a storm coming and you were at home, I'd call up and say, hey, um, I've left some laundry on the line. Can you bring it in? There's a storm coming. Well, the storm's coming. The first parts of it are here. We can either hide under a rock and shiver in fear or we can build a strong and safe house in a sensible place and we can have a great life and we can be together and do cool things. We can take the laundry in from the line, so to speak. <laughs> it's super uncomfortable to realise, I know. It's so hard. I know better than everyone. I actually, I went actually crazy and I started seeing things and hearing things because of this stuff. That I don't do that anymore. That's, those days are gone. I'm a lot better these days, but a lot of that freedom from that weird shit that was happening in my brain came from just being an acceptance of what is happening. Because when we're in acceptance, we can get into action. If we're in denial, all that happens is just another day goes by when we aren't preparing for that storm. And then when the laundry gets wet, we're shocked. Well, in this case, the house gets washed away. Um, that doesn't have to happen. All right. We can be prepared. So when you do have that chat, and you will this week, you've done it before, you'll do it again. You, you'll probably, you might, you might get pushback from family members who don't want to be in acceptance, and that's okay. It's just, it's uncomfortable. It's like when you had the conversation about, you know, marriage equality. It's really uncomfortable for some people to suddenly realize this because it's, it's not the moral right or wrong of this stuff. You know, morally, we know that it's, it's marriage equality was the right thing to do. We know that, you know, calling out sexism is the right thing to do. Morally, you know, racism, we know it's, it's you know, calling it out is the right thing to do. Similarly, we know the right thing to do, but the thing is that people have so much of their identity aligned with holding that view and while they may see a reasonable argument, that's not going to change their mind because their identity and who they feel like they are is now under attack. They're a person that doesn't feel that marriage equality is okay. So therefore, no rational argument will touch them. 
That's all right. Let them have that discomfort. But this is not the kind of bushfire that we make an insurance ad with that shows a koala doing something cute. This is not the kind of bushfire that steeps in Australian folklore as a part of living in the sunburned country. No, this is a mega blaze with 70, 70 metre high flames. It's larger than anything that we have the capability to deal with. We, you know, like anything, the, the capability to deal with a problem deals with the size of the problem, all right? So we've only had, had the technology to deal with the size of the problem we've been faced with, the fire engines, the planes, whatever it is we've had, that's as, as big as we've needed to go. Suddenly we've got a, a blaze that's bigger than we've ever had before, so we actually don't have the ability to deal with it because we've never had to deal with it before, all right? This is a fact. Say what you need to say. Understand that they'll be confronted by it. Let them know that you, know, you were confronted by it too. Don't patronise it, but let them know it's okay to be confronted by it. And just, you know, let them know that the sooner that we accept it, the sooner we can work on it, how we can all live with it and how we can have a great country living with it. Because we can. And just let them be with that. You won't convince them there at the table. You just won't. Because to change their position in front of others would be a humiliation. But climate change doesn't care if we accept it or not. Soon enough, in fact, right now they're being affected by it, but they don't realise they're being affected by it. But soon enough, they'll be really affected by it and they'll have to make changes to, to live with it. And we can live with it. We can have a great country and a great life, great community. Dealing with it, we can. The effects of climate change are right here, right now, today, on the planet. Today in my city of Sydney. We were in Bunnings yesterday, Audrey and I. This is a massive hardware store chain. If you're not from Australia, it's a, it's a gigantic hardware store chain. It's got shelves that reach to the, the ceiling some 30 metres above you. and it's, it's bloody epic. Love that place. I was in the gardening aisle. I was looking for a bird feeder. And a bloke in his late 50s walked in and um, talked to the staff member who was standing right by me. He's wearing a, a blue button-down shirt, pair of white shorts and white shoes, grey hair. He said, oh, where's the watering cans? And she just looked at him. And I know that look from a Bunnings employee because it was the same look that I got given the day before Splendour in the Grass when I went into Bunnings and asked for gumboots. And the bloke looked at me like, mate, Splendour's tomorrow. You think any Bunnings anywhere near <laughs> Newtown <laughs> has gumboots? They all got bought a week ago. Everyone bought their gumboots and they've gone to Splendour. Forget about it. There's no gumboots. Similarly, she looked at him and like, there's no watering cans. The watering cans are sold out. Because Sydney's in severe water restrictions right now. The dams are that low. No hoses. You cannot hose anything anywhere. All right? So water in cans only. And this bloke was just like befuddled by it. He was bewildered. But I get it, man. It's a lot to take in to suddenly realise, oh, all right. That him right there is being affected by climate change. That might be a way in to talk with your people this week. Or maybe when, you know, if you're passing by and you're, you know, at the shops or whatever and someone says, oh, I've never seen weather like this. Or, oh, it's never this hot. Or, oh, geez, be good if some rain comes. What we need is rain. Well, that's a chance to have the conversation. That's a chance to have the chat. That's a chance to say to someone, yeah, well, this is what we were told would happen. You know, we need to find out ways to deal with it. Because it is happening and we can ignore it or we can deal with it. You're a reasonable, rational human being. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you weren't because I crap on about this stuff all the time and it would have sent you way over to some other different podcast. That's fine if this isn't for you. 
But if I know anything from the work that I've done on my own head on the ACT therapy, the acceptance commitment therapy, if I know anything from that, it's that respite from my anxiety, from my terror, from my fear, from my rage, from my fury. When I was journaling this morning, I was like, what's this feeling in my stomach? This is fucking fury. This is rage at the inaction of our governments for not doing something about this. That's what this feeling is. If I know anything, the respite from that is action in accordance with my values. And having a tricky conversation with a relative about climate change is that kind of action. You're not telling them who to vote for. You just let them know, you know, like this is a reality and any government, local government, state government, federal government, any government that doesn't have a climate change management and mitigation policy is failing them, failing the economy, failing the country. I love a strong economy as much as the next capitalist. I love it. But the current approach by our country to climate change is not going to do great things for our economy, all right? Because, I don't know, how do we talk about this? So 60% of our exports, Australia exports, to have a strong economy, you need to have strong exports. 60% of all of our exports come from three products, iron ore, coal, and gas. Very, very soon, within the next 10 years, the world is not going to want two of those things. <laughs> and if we don't figure that part out, we are toast. We are the eighth richest economy in the world. It's incredible. But we are 93rd in the world when it comes to the complexity of our economic output. All right? That is a dangerous place to be because then you're at the whim of the market. And very, very soon, people are just going to switch off coal, coal plants and then what's going to happen, all right? Part of all of this is making sure that our economy is fortified to deal with a world that doesn't want carbon fuels. It's that simple. It's not rocket science. Anyway, what I've told you today is just to start. I hope it inspires you to do some reading, read up on some things, and you don't want to take a knife to a gunfight, all right? And just be calm, use facts, and understand that it's going to be very confronting for them, and they, they won't change their mind. Don't try and change their mind. Just... Say what you need to say, all right? Because they can't change their mind in front of other people because it's their identity that's threatened, okay? But you've done it before. You did it around sexism. You did it around misogyny. You did it around racism. You did it around homophobia. You can do it again. You will do it again. You've got to do it. We have to do it. Merry Christmas. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So, it's the best of 2019, and I'm really grateful to bring you the second of uh, our best of series. We did Johan Hari last week, which is a cracker. And this one, we picked this one because it's one that, I guess, really fired a heap of people up about work, about their careers, about life. Because Tanya Hennessy is an incredibly inspiring person. She is an author. She's a broadcaster. She's a comedian. She's a YouTube superstar. She's on radio. She's on telly. She's online. She's everywhere. Because she's extraordinarily funny and very, very good at what she does, Tanya has an incredible story to tell. And as a woman in Australian broadcasting, has excellent lessons for success when you're up against it. Like I was so inspired by this conversation with Tanya. She's incredible. So if you, whatever you're thinking about for next year, if you've just finished uni and you're heading out into the world or if you're thinking of changing careers or you're having a holiday and you're like, what am I doing with this job? It doesn't fulfill me, but I'm too afraid to go for this other thing. This is the podcast for you. Just a note at the top of this show here, Tanya did write quite extensively in her book, Am I Doing This Right? about body image. She wrote a whole chapter on it. During this conversation, she brings it up and I use that opportunity to have a conversation with her about it. When I did air this show, I called her, I got on the phone and I wanted to double, triple, triple check to make sure that what we talked about was okay to go out to air. She assured me that it was. Now, I'm no stranger to body image issues. I was once 112 kilos. I've been fat shamed by the paparazzi. I've been bullied in the press. I'm well aware of what it is to be a bigger person in the public eye. My story involves compulsive eating, portion control and binge eating. So where I was coming from was a place of someone who works I work every day to stay on top of those, that eating stuff, all right? I try to do the work every day about making sure what I eat's the right thing is the right amount. I try to train every day to make sure that I'm healthy and I feel good in my own skin. And that's where I was standing when she and I dove into this sometimes taboo discussion about what it is to be a bigger person in the public eye. It might be confronting to hear. You may want to get angry and, and Facebook or tweet it. That's fine. I don't read Twitter or Facebook anymore, but you go for it. I'd ask you to listen with an open ear and an open heart to what the two of us are discussing and the reality of the business that we both work in and, and indeed the realities of the health outcomes when you that are real when you're heavier. You know, acceptance. It could be an acceptance of what's actually reality. I uh, can officially say that I'm nearly 50. If I don't stay fit and watch what I eat, it is a slippery slope to blood pressure pills and type 2 diabetes, erectile dysfunction, and a stent in my arteries, all right? That shit happens fast if I don't look after what I'm eating. So that's where we both were really when we talked about being bigger. I hope you can listen in the spirit of which it was conversed, two colleagues discussing the reality of where we work, how we work, the nature of the business we've chosen, and the plain facts about health. Tanya... I will warn you now, she snort laugh funny. So if you're in public, just be that, be aware. You might laugh out loud. Maybe don't drink or eat while you're listening to this. Or if you're listening on the bus, just be looking out the window or, or something because it's going to happen. 
If you want to let Tanya know that you heard her here, she's online. She's mostly Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Tanya Hennessy. Her book is out wherever her books are out. She's also got a makeup line. She's amazing. She's incredible. Get ready for a fabulous sit-down chat with Tanya Hennessy. They will find a way to give that to Grant Denyer as well. I, I, <laughs> the book of the year. Yeah, yeah. They'll find a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Because there was a time in my life when, when uh, for right reasons, I Rove would win everything. That, oh, you know, yeah. I would always get nominated in the same category as the greatest independent television producer and host our country seen yeah. in the last 100 years, you know, Rove McManus. It's like, I'm never going to win against Rove. Come on, the guy's you – know, we were the same age, but, like, he's like a mogul and I'm this kind of blonde-haired autocue reader. <laughs> I disagree. You know, you interviewed me. I auditioned for the second series of Australian Idol and I lived in Bathurst at the time. Because I can sing, like, not well, but, you know, confidently. Wow, you came to the auditions in Sydney? From Bathurst. Two of my friends sung as, like, a joke and I sung seriously. And out of there was, like, so many people on the line and you interviewed me and I was like, because <gasps> you were like, what do you do at uni? And I was like, drama. And you said, what does that mean? And I was like, oh, I behave like a tree and I get a degree from it. And that was it. And I just remember being like, guys, I'm going to get on because you interviewed me. Like, I'm going to get on the show. Bum, bum. You didn't make the cut? Oh, drag. I know. You, were you at Mitchell? Yeah. Yeah, the Mitchell, Mitchell Mafia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, must have had, I must have had 10 people on this show that are from that uni. Everyone. Um, Edwina Bartholomew, huh? uh, Denton, Andrew Denton, yeah. Sandra Sully. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's her face? Um, uh, uh, Natasha Belling. Oh, Tash? Pretty much. All of Channel V that wasn't me or James yes. went there. Yeah, yeah, yes. Everyone. Digby went there. Yes. Everyone went there. I saw Digby the other day. Yeah, Digby's amazing. I always forget that you do radio and do radio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, ages. Yeah. Yeah, for ages. That's Actually, all I a, did. There was an v. announcer on the radio as I was driving in here who sounded like you. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was like, oh. Wow. But it was a day announcer, not a content shift. Yeah, I had to. I actually said no to a day gig. Mm-hmm. I said, no, I'll go off at a Recently? day Recently? Yeah. I got offered a day gig and I said no. Why? It's, 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 this is the heartbreaking thing. Like all I wanted to do was radio. Uh. All my, all I wanted to do. And then that's all I did like for six, seven days a week. It's all I did for like five years. And then Channel V came along. Mm. And then I wasn't very long. I think it was only by end of 2000, mid-2001, I started in radio again. I'm doing a countdown show on Nova and then I was kind of in an unbroken Chain yes. from yeah. like two, or 2002, I think it was 2002 to 2012 when I stopped on Hot Hits. And then again in end of 2015, I started in Breakfast again. But by the time I got back in Breakfast, it was like, ah, oh, this isn't. But you were also on a four-person show. What? Oh, yeah, I was on a four-hander. That's tough. Like I'm doing hard. three at the moment. I've never done three. So wow. to do four? Yeah. And you guys weren't in the same state as well, which it does. is tough. Because I'm not in the same state as my co-announcers either. Yeah, right. I hate it broke my heart mm-hmm. that I couldn't be good enough at it. Did you feel like you weren't good enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to be serious all the time. I was. You know, was oh, what do you mean serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, yeah. I was being very serious. And I think they, I don't know, rightly so, they got rid of me and now they're number one. And <laughs> as yeah. they should, as no, no, as they should be. You yeah. know, they, they should be. They got this weapon, weapon of radio. Um, by the name of Matt Acton. Oh, my God. I love Matt Acton so much. The guy is incredible. As soon as I heard him, I'm like, I I don't belong here at this. No. No. I'm out. There's no need for me to be here. Incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, when 
between Bachelor in Paradise and when the book came along, it was like I had the opportunity to make yes. it. I was like, I, I was able to gracefully tap out. But Segway. I could, you know, Here's well, my other I, show I'm doing. I had an idea of like, yeah, I don't think they'll ask me to come back next year. <laughs> it's a tough gig. Yeah. Like I really want to get back into Brecky Radio because I've done six years and this is last year and this year have been my first two years just doing one day a week. So it's yeah. weekends, but I just do the Saturday and the Sunday. is pre-recorded. But I really miss full-time radio. The yeah. creativity of it, the yeah. muscle for creativity. Yeah. And I, it gets misplaced and then I end up like mental and like running around and I can't put my creative energy into one thing, mm. which I really struggle with. Right, right. Well, let's... Let, let's let's paint because this may people may recognise your voice. People definitely recognise your face, but they may not know the the, the tail, mm-hmm. the, the beautiful tail, short of, tail. Of Hannah, so was Newcastle it? Was that where I was born in Newcastle? Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is part. That's what I, love, I do love about Australia is like I come here. We take a country right from the people who live here and then we name it after places that we've already been. So true. Yeah, so we true. have a Newcastle at home. Let's call this Newcastle too. Yeah. And we've got like a Cardiff and a Swansea in Newcastle as well. Like we really colonised it. Colonised? Putting the colon in colonisation. (laughs) Tries to be smart once, fails (laughs) elaborately. P.S. I walked up like a couple of sets of stairs in your house and I'm still puffed and that was like 20 minutes ago and I am so sorry. That's okay. But I'm sorry to myself also. That's okay. It's good. There's 48 steps. I've got to move more. I've counted them. There's 48 steps. I mean, but you're active. You're like fitness man. Oh, when I was on Met, I was like 20, what am I now? I'm nearly 80. I was probably 16 kilos heavier mm. coming up and down those stairs. Struggle? Oh, yeah. Yes. Totally. You need to lose weight. <laughs> How did you lose weight? Uh, stop. Meth. Take- no, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I changed medication and oh, really? I got really, I got really, really intense. You can see behind that block of knives, see that little silver thing? Mm. That's a scale. Oh, you weigh everything. I got super, super intense into that and that really helped. And then, um, yeah, so I just kind of watch portions now. I need to because I feel like uh, sometimes, like I was at this uh, Melbourne festival, fashion festival on the weekend. They took all these pictures of people who went along and, and they asked me to take a photo of the PR company and then they put them on Instagram and I didn't make it. And, I, and this is an ego thing, but I was like, why didn't I make it? Like, am I not good enough? All these Instagram models are on there. And I thought it's because I'm not thin. It's because I don't look the way I'm supposed to look or the way people want me to look. And, oh, it's so tough. And the more and the higher I climb in this industry, I find that my body shape does get in the way and people don't have my size or I have to dress myself. And it's really kind of, it starts, because, you know, at the beginning of the day, that's when you get dressed and that's before you go to perform. And sometimes I find it really like, oh, God, I can't perform because I I don't fit in the top. And I've, and then I upset the wardrobe person. I take it so personally. I'm, like, I'm sorry, my top doesn't doesn't fit that you picked out and, you know, it, it really gets into my head. So I just need to lose weight so that isn't there so I can perform easier. Do you want to talk about that stuff? If you want to. I mean, we could. I've got like a, a long history of body dysmorphia. Oh, we man. definitely talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, even the other day at 10 and I said, I was like, you look great. Then I was like, I shouldn't have said that. Because I felt like that was so judging you on how you look. And oh, it's I, me. Yes. And I felt bad about it. Well, okay. Well, let's ask you. I mean, we have chosen a gig that, mm-hmm. I mean, you could have chosen, back in the day, you could have chosen radio and you got away with it because your mm-hmm. face was, once a year, they might take a photo of you. Right. But usually they just roll the one out from eight years ago. Yeah. 
that you can you, you used to be able to age on radio. You can't anymore. No. So we've chosen a job where our external appearance scrutinized. is scrutinised, is open for judgment. Yeah. Right? Whether that judgment's well placed or not. Okay. Mm. How do you feel though? That's the thing. Do you like? Why would you want to change shape? Would you want to change shape so you oh, just could like, just breeze in and out of a wardrobe fitting so you can do the thing that you're good at, yes. which is be funny on camera? Yes. Ah. Yeah. I just want. I don't. I don't really care how I look, but I do when it lowers my self esteem before I'm about to perform because you do need a level of ego to go perform. <laughs> so it would just make it easier for me. Yeah. If. And also, like, sometimes I find my body such a point of contention or I use it as a crutch for comedy and I would love to not use it as a crutch for comedy and just be myself without having to use my weight as a joke or a platform for a joke. It's a, made a lot of people a lot of money. I know. I know. And then, but then I look at, like, and, but, yeah, and then I don't want to be, like, super tiny. I just want to be small enough to just be able to fit into a 14 comfortably and be fine in a fitting. Because then people might not realise that the, that is a major factor in any time you are doing any visual medium, whether it be photography or, or moving images, either online or television or film, the, what you wear is there will be a, a day, maybe two weeks out from when you actually shoot the thing, where you get photographed in 10 different outfits and then people you might not have met yet will decide what they want you to wear. And then so if you're – I'm really lucky in that I'm now I'm now a sample size. Oh, have it. Right. Because um, that's cool because you get all the fun clothes. Well, that's the thing. You're now a sample size, which is the sample that the clothing companies, they go, we'll just make a bunch of these. They're in one particular size. We'll just send them out and they'll be the ones too. that get in all the photographs. Uh-huh. All right? So, it's, you, again, the access is extraordinary. And then so it makes it much easier for that process. But I just actually Marie condo that office in there the other day. And <laughs> really? two years ago, two years ago when I was on, it was this time two years ago because we just did the Bachelor opening Welcome to Series 5 of The Bachelor. Oh, we that was good. did that like two years ago and I was 93, 95. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm about 79 at the moment but deliberately so. I'm heading back up but at this time it's lean muscle mass. Um, and we had to up the back of my jacket, this perfectly beautiful, gorgeous jacket, we had to take a basically a, a, a Stanley knife yes. and slice the middle of the backet, but middle of the jacket apart. So if you saw me from the back, you would be able to see my shirt yeah. through, a, like I'd been in a bar fight. <laughs> yeah. But that was the only way to make the front of the jacket not look Sit like right. it was pulling. Mm-hmm. And it's it was awful, isn't it? I don't know how you felt, but I, I, they had to cut the lining out of my jacket the other day for, for something I did, and I was like, oh, God, I like my wardrobe stylist, Melissa, who's amazing, and I've been working with her for years now. She was so humiliated. She was like, I felt so hard, so humiliated for you. And I'm like, look, at the time, I was kind of like, well, I'm on meds. These meds are doing these things to my body. This is what it is. Yeah. Let's just get on with it. And it was fucking awful. Yeah. But what we had to do is we had to, I had all these jackets that had this massive big, like almost like an arrow shaped thing. Like a diamond. Like yeah. a diamond yeah. sewn yeah. in the back of them. I've seen that. Yeah. And we had to get the same fabric shape. <laughs> yeah. And so I had all these suits that were I've had so many of that made for me. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough and it's really hard. Because yeah. like I, well, it, like I, have medicine but it doesn't do that to me but yeah. I know a lot of people do have yeah, that. Yeah, Mine yeah. I've just done straight up to myself. Like, right. you know, I finish at crazy hours and I've always put work first. 
I've always put work first. So even if it's like I'm working till midnight, I'll work till midnight and then I go, oh, God, I forgot to eat. And I'll just eat whatever's convenient. Uh, you know what I mean? And that's what it is. And then you're on a plane. And I'm so excited because, you know, my whole life I just wanted to be heard and seen. That's it. And it didn't happen to me till I was 30. And now I have it and I don't want to let it go. And so that's why I work more than I care for my body. But when you are on the Arias red carpet hosting for the Arias and people are like, you fat bitch, you shouldn't be here. I'm so embarrassed for you. You should be embarrassed. Why would anyone hire you? When you read those comments, you're like, oh, I'm trying so hard and it's, I'm being judged so much. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm trying really hard. My mind is in a good place. What I'm saying is quite clever. I like to listen to people and I'm such an empath. I like to interview people differently and I don't like to ask what they're wearing and that, you know, like, and why are you commenting on my dress? Why are you saying that I'm fat? There's more to me than that. And that's the feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it's shit. It's shit. Yes. It's really it's shit. It's the reality, you know. This is, just- the, yeah, as they say in Godfather Part 2, this is the business we have chosen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it right. Yeah. It doesn't make it right. And the same way that, you know, I won't on the big opening night of a show, Bachelor, for example, I won't wear you know, like a jacket like Denya's wearing on Dancing with the Stars, those incredible gold, super flamboyant yes, things. they're cool. Because it will, they are, but that fits the gig. You know, I wouldn't totally. wear something that distracts from the message, okay? And if I'm, you know, and certainly people did write that shit, when, you know, in season two and three of, uh, of Batch, or three and four of Batch when I was bigger, they're like, fuck, man, you've been on the pies, mate. Who says bust- that? Oh, just online, online all the time. You know, it's like, Osh is busting out of his suits again. It's like, yeah, because I put on a kilo a week when I'm on these drugs and there's fucking nothing I can do about it. And that's the thing. You wish people could yeah, understand yeah. that. Yeah, like yeah. I have a few friends who are on antipsychotics and um, I not don't know what medicine you're on, but um, I know how much it affects them and yeah. then it affects their mental health even yeah. more because they're like, I'm on this to help me, but it's making me yeah. feel another way about myself. Like it's yeah, complicated. It's awful. It's, it's awful. complex. Um, like I would put it to you that, you know, the only thing that would happen, you love to work. and Obsessed. the The only thing that will allow – the, the levelling up in the quality of work that you do and – what you'll be able to achieve when you eat Better. with respect yes. to yourself and to your, you know, f- you know, fueling your engine, mm-hmm. you know, and moving your body in a particular way. Will I say it to other to people like it's like you've got say everything you need to make your your brain feel better. Well, a lot of things you need to make your brain feel better and make the you know creative juices. It's like citrus fruit stuck inside your body, but you got to squeeze them. All right, and that's where the exercise comes in. You exercise them, you squeeze that stuff, and oh, it floods your brain, and boom, you're just right. It's amazing. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. At the beginning of the year, I was doing so much. I was just walking around Channel Ten a lot, to be honest with you. And then I was like catching the train a little bit. I know it sounds weird, but I was just being way more. I'm very housebound. Like, Incidental exercise is key. But just that, and I was so much more creative. Mm-hmm. I was writing so much more. I'm so obsessed with being creative so it actually makes sense for me to exercise because it creates more do you know what i mean i do i would put it to you that because you are a creative person and because of the industry that you're in the way that i was taught to look at it was you're the company mm-hmm. so you but you are also you know if you're you're the ceo but you're also the product so what 
does any business that has a product do? It looks at branding. It looks at, you know, viability. It looks at, you know, how can we make sure that the systems are in place to make sure we can keep producing this product. We don't want any of the machines on the line to break down and we want to make sure that we're consistent. You know, the inventory is good and that it's consistent. And like getting to a place, and I'm sure you're there by now, just trusting that when you sit down to write, it'll be there. Yeah, I it'll, have gotten to that point. It'll be there. And that's really important. And so once you've got to that point, that really frees you to be like, all right then. So here's the 20 minutes where I go for a walk and yes. then I'll have a shower and then I'll sit down to write. And then that 20 minutes becomes 22. Exactly. Then it becomes, you know, you just add 10% on. Do you walk alone? Uh, oh, I have the you dog. dog. Yeah, maybe I should get a dog. Yeah, dogs are awesome. No, I just I train pretty much every day. Like personal training? Um, if I can, but I have like kettlebells everywhere. And I oh, just, in the house? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just swing kettlebells around, do push-ups and squats and shit, and it really works. It's how really, long really How long do you do that for? 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, that's so long. Every day. I can show you one that's like, 20 minutes. 20 minutes, you get it done. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. you don't even have to do that. Like, the do first... You, do you ever get anxious about exercising? Like, I mm. will... I had PT on Tuesday and I was so anxious about going that I cancelled it. Oh, right. It's so bad. Do you ever get that? No. <laughs> No, I don't. Yeah. Because I've been through it. This is the – I did it once and then I did it again and then I did it – this is the third time and I'm, I'm stuck to it this time, third time that I've lost a shitload of weight. Third time lucky? Yeah, yeah. And all it is is just – if just do a tiny – if you just do a tiny amount every day, like you've got 20 minutes a day. You can look I at do. You can look at screen time on your phone and go, yeah, four hours on Facebook today might have been a bit much. Well, mine's like closer to seven or eight hours a right. day. So, but I'm contenting. Exactly. It's, it's work. I've got to be on it. <laughs> That's what I say to myself. Um, you can walk for 20 minutes a day. If you Correct. walk for 20 minutes a day, mm. seven, like, let me do some, oh, fuck, I failed maths. So, so 100, did I. 140 minutes. That's over a two hour, two hours of walking in the week. week. All right? Yeah. i got to do it. And you've got 20 minutes. Do you know how you do it? You walk out the front door for 10 minutes and then you turn around and walk back. Oh, so true. And then Plus you're I done. do it for like I could go for a coffee. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. Sometimes I find it if I'm doing something yeah. it distracts my brain from being like you're exercising, you know. I used to trick myself going, I'm just going, I used to trick my brain. So the, the, the trick is like, so if I've got a pile of dirty, I'm a, I'm a right side dirty dishes, left side clean kitchen. Oh, yeah. All right. So if there's a big pile of dirty dishes on the right hand side, I'll go, I'll just wet the sponge. I'll just wet the sponge and clean one. All right? Mm-hmm. And then you're there. You're like, oh, may as well. All right? Yeah. So I used to trick myself going, I'll just go check the mail. So I'd take the letterbox keys from my old house. I'd take the letterbox keys and I'd walk okay? out. But instead of walking right to the mailbox, I'd walk left to walk around the block. And I'd walk around the block, still check the mail. That's a good one. For Ten minutes later, they're like, oh, I've checked the mail. And then so that just one would work for me particularly yeah. to trick your brain. Yeah, you got to trick your brain. Got a very overactive brain. This, similarly, like when it comes, another really good one that I heard about when it comes to writing, if you sit down and go, I've got to write this thing, I've got to come up, if you're writing a story, I've got to come, my hero's got to, I'm just going to sit down and write some notes. That's all I'm going to do. Just, just sit down and write some notes. I'm just going to write. All right? And it comes. And then then it comes, as long as you get your fingers moving. So just mm. you just walk every day. You'd be, you'd be, and you don't even have to, like, you don't have to go, I've got to get fit. I'm going to hire, go to a gym. I'm going to hire a PT. Like that's essentially going, for if you've not been physically that's active. That's so much pressure. That's going like, I'm going to run the marathon tomorrow. That's how I feel. Fuck no. Mm-mm. It's too hard. 
And all that's happened is you've given a gym 800 bucks for a year that you can't get out of. PT is so expensive. So expensive. It's like $150 for an hour. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It's too much money. Like, I'm poor it's too much as. It's too much money. See, people think you work in radio and television. It's different for you because you're a veteran. Wait, that sounded like low-key shade, like I, I was calling you old. You are sitting in the apartment I live in. <laughs> yeah, All it's right? gorgeous, but, yeah. uh, like, I'm still, like, finding my feet and still finding my way. And yeah. these are, like, crucial years for me, so I'm, so, like... Yeah, I'm still super poor, but I'm still trying to, like, make sure I navigate the right way and yeah. make sure I make the right decisions. And a lot of that is, like, food and health related. So I just have to do it. There's just no excuse. And I guess the other thing I would say to you is I'm about to be 45. But you do not – like, I, whatever. But you do not – like, are <laughs> you using shit. some sort of, like, crazy skincare or something? I'm vegan and sober, right? Yes, cheat. vegan and sober. Cheat. One of them is by choice. <laughs> um, I had to do the other one. Um, so if you, unfortunately, like y- you may be getting away with it. You can get away with it for years, but you're offsetting the true cost of those lifestyle choices because they do come for you. If you get to 40, if you get to my age, like if, if I got to 45 and I was still 112, 113, I'd be at the doctor every week. Yes. I'd have a stent by now. Yeah. I'd be fucked. But yeah. people, like, it comes for you. It will come for you. I can feel it because sometimes I get up in the morning and it's hard. Right. It's hard because I feel bloated. My boobs are giant and everything. I'm like, and I'm comfortable. And, you know, sometimes I don't, I put off flying because I don't want to sit in the seat because it's confronting because everything sits in a different way than it used to. Because I gained weight. I gained 30 kilos when I got into breakfast radio. So... Like, I feel different. It feels, yeah. And, you know, when I wrote about my body image in my book, a bunch of people were like, I hear you. Because a lot of there's a body positivity movement that is like, be yourself. But what if you don't feel like that's yourself? Mm. Speaking your truth sometimes is uncomfortable to others. But the truth is I feel uncomfortable in my body and that's my truth. I can't be body positive if I'm not body positive. Like, you know, I, I get it and I hear the message, but that's just not what's authentic or truthful to me. I would want you to feel comfortable in your body. Mm-hmm. And I would and I would want you like figuring out the why yeah. is the most important. If you want to do it so people don't say mean things on the internet, <laughs> that's not the why. They're always going to say mean things on the internet. I had a hate page about me. Fantastic. <laughs> no, it fucking almost killed me. Like, oh, God. Yeah, it was awful. It was like, get Tanya Hennessy fired from Hit 104.7. It was like so specific. <laughs> yeah. That was when I was in Canberra. People, they got so much time on there. Oh, I know. And like every time I would talk on the radio, you know, they would write, oh, she's so annoying. She's whinging. Oh, she fucking go kill herself. Mm-hmm. It was so intense. And what was worse was that, you know, I could click on their profiles and find out where they jet lived. Jet ski? What did you say? They have a photo of a jet ski as their profile? Always. Yeah. But no, some people were like legit and I'd be like, oh, my God, that's Bunnings in Gungahlin and I lived in Gungahlin. So then you go, I can't go to Bunnings because this per- person is threatening. Fuck like, him. But do you know what I mean? Like it was so intense. But people are the worst online. The yeah, worst. And I have really like am. a huge part of my career online. Yeah. And learning to like manage those types of people it's important. when you're a little sensitive soul it's really yeah tough. I, I do want to i do want to kind of I just want to put a bit of a pen in this like if your why about changing your body is because you want to feel better better in yourself 
And like, as we mentioned, the unfortunate practicalities of the job we've got, mm-hmm. um, then I'm, you know, don't be ashamed to do it. Fuck no. But if it's in, because that's the thing, that's the why that'll get you out the door. That's the why that'll get you to PT, you know? Yeah. I just want to feel comfortable in my clothes and my boobs not hit my, or sit in my armpits when I sleep. <laughs> They just roll in there. Like, get out of there, boys. <laughs> That's what boobs do, though. No, I know. Yeah. But I got. I was going to get a breast reduction. But then I was like, what if I have kids? You'll still be able to... Ma- um, yeah, breastfeed or whatever. Breastfeed, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, surely. Like, Look, I'm watching I'm not- Audrey go through it right now. There's like... Where is she, by the way? Uh, she's at work. How dare she? I know. Did you know, I didn't know this, but Audrey was doing my makeup for ages on Bachelor Unpacked, which is the social media show based on The Bachelor and Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise. And during the show, like, we always talk about you as well and, like, you know. There's a pillow with my face on, on your <laughs> yeah, like You know, we make jokes about everyone. No one's off That's limits. That's great. And for ages, you know, we were, like, making jokes about you and da-da-da. And Audrey was like, oh, you know, my husband works on the show. And I didn't know that you guys were married. And I was like, oh, who's your husband? Like, thinking he was like a soundie. Well, I was like, oh, shit, you've heard me, like, say the like, most ridiculous jokes about him for months. Perfect. No, it's perfect. No, I love your wife. I think she's amazing. I she's do done- too. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's great. A few times, but she's so, such a beautiful soul. And I've rolled into work a few times and she's known that I've not been great. And uh, to have someone who understands that, and is an empath and very sensitive, helps your performance. You know, just to be like, I don't think you're having the best day. And just to understand you just makes you feel heard and feels it, it's easy to do your job. I say this, I said this the day I met her, like makeup, it's a set of skills you can learn to put a certain amount of product upon a certain person's face in a certain way so that when light hits it, it looks different on a camera. Mm-hmm. That's the one job, right? But that's, that's not, not the, the job, job of makeup. The job of makeup is getting someone like yourself who's like, oh, fuck. I can't even tell you the fucking night that I've just had mm-hmm. to welcome to Studio 10 in 90 minutes. It's incredible the job that they do. And yeah. uh, obviously I work a lot at Channel 10, mostly on digital shows. Come on, Channel 10, give me a legit show. But the team there make you be able to perform yeah. so I much so you. that like if I ever do other gigs, I'm always like, oh, can I have Audrey or can I have Ariella? Or, like mm. I want that team yeah. because they psych you up and make it okay. Yeah, they, that's the job. It's a tough job. Yeah. Like I find uh, sitting in that chair essential. Yeah, it is It is good. And it's not without, it's, you know, and, you know, I, I remember when she was working on a game show, you know, she's dealing with 10 contestants a oh, day yeah. who are terrified. Anxious as hell, stressed, nervous. And then so she comes home with that, oh, my God, like that's on her. At oh, the end it of the would day. be. As you, as you, you know, but that's the gig, you know. Mm. That's, that's, she did that's like a gig. smudging stick or something. <laughs> Get the essential like, oils out. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So, look, let's just, you know, I don't want to get caught up in talking about what you look like in photographs, but I think it's, it's kind of interesting to talk about. It is, isn't it? It is interesting to talk about because it's something that, you know, I can certainly relate to and mm. other people can relate to. And um, was it, were you like that as a kid? No. I was, like, just a free – I used to do dancing. I was, like, real active as a kid. Yeah. It wasn't until I got into radio that I stopped moving. Yeah. And once, Like, I used to work at Luna Park. I used to be a clown at Luna Park. I'm a stilt walker. I have a degree in theatre, physical theatre. I used to do pantomimes. Like, that was super active. Where? Seriously, I met – So I was going for the pantomime. I was hoping you were going to say behind you, but never mind. <laughs> so you're at 
Bathurst, about the uni- at the university in Bathurst, which is a, a, a machine for performing arts and, and media people. Mm. Uh, it's like the place you go. The place, the Mitchell Mafia. It is the place you go and it does nothing but pump out very, very capable. And ambitious, and motivated. Very, very much so. There's a few places that do it. There's a few places that will take your money and give you a piece of paper that, yeah, that's with an acronym on it a- that will say, I know how to do this. Mm. Um, in my experience, the people that have come out of that campus have been the ones that are like, oh, man, you really are. Okay, great. Let's hit the ground running. Yeah. You're ready to go. And whenever you meet someone who's also from Charles Sturt, you're like, yes. Right. You get it. Like the publisher of my book, uh, the publicist for my book. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like you can't yeah. help but run into people and they're just crazy talented. Yeah. So, yeah, when I finished uh, uni, I was only 20, so I was super young. And I auditioned for Idol. Um and I wanted to be a performer, but I fell into stage management. So I stage managed like Little Women, the musical. Um, oh, God. I well, did it's a, a stable gig. You're stage managing? Yeah. Yeah, but do you know how hard it is to put clothes on people and give people props when all you want to do is be on the stage? Yeah. Like, it was so hard. And I dressed the, on the opera. I worked uh, at Opera Australia, New Zealand Ballet, uh, Mary Poppins. So I was a dresser. massive gigs, like huge gigs, huge mm-hmm. productions. Yeah, it was actually when I was on... And I also worked at Luna Park as a stilt walker on the side, just for extra money. But it was when I was working on Mary Poppins that one of the uh, ensemble, uh, Leah Howard, who's a phenomenal uh, – do you know Leah? I'm sure you would know Leah. She's an amazing choreographer. She choreo- like choreographs everything, including High Five. And one day she was choreographing High Five and I was practising it. She's like, great, kids can do it because you can do it. Offensive. But she said, you should do radio. And I was 26 and I was like, okay, great. So I moved back to Newcastle to live with my parents and did radio. Uh, hang on, how did she know that you should do radio? Because she would hear me banter backstage and I was doing a bit of stand-up and she was like, don't do stand-up. You're a, you're a teamwork person. You're, you're a, you listen to people, you understand people and then you're reactive. So you should work in, in radio. And I never considered it. I did a theatre degree. I was like, no, I'm going to be a theatre actor. And I auditioned for so many, you know, shows and plays and TV shows in Sydney and I never got any. So I went to like 150 castings and got none. How do you go back to number 113 after number 112 just said no? I don't know because I just felt like it's got to happen and it didn't. So I'm that story that like it never happened for me. What did I you- went to NIDA. I studied presenting at NIDA. And I left because they said we can't see you being a presenter. Like where do you fit? You don't fit. You're not a sports reporter. You're not a travel. You're not kids. Where do you fit? We can't figure out where to fit you. And I was like, well, if you can't fit me here, I'm not paying to continue studying here. So I left. Wow. Yeah. So I left, and then I went started in uh, Newcastle Radio. How did you get in? Because that's a it's a oh. hot. It's like seriously, it's like the White Walkers have to scale the fucking wall to Literally. get anywhere near radio. Yes, and I knew I didn't want to go to afters. Not because I didn't want to go to afters, but I just had already finished uni. I have a second degree in education, or half. I've not finished my dip ed to be a drama teacher, and I was like, I just don't want to go back to school. So I went to New FM in Newcastle, knocked on the door like really? old school style, and I said, I can't offer you much but I will learn, I will be here, I'll produce, I'll assist you, I'll bring you a cheese platter in the morning, I'll get coffee, whatever you want. And they took me on and I worked for free for six months. Doing what? 
uh, just assisting a producer who was 19 and I was 26 at the time and I had a communications degree. <laughs> like he was straight out of high school. But that's just what I had to do. And at the same time to make money, because I was making no money, I was working um, in an opera, Man, in Los, uh, Man on Lesco, as a, as a prostitute, like a, like a sex worker in the back of a 16th century opera to make money on the opera house stage. Like bizarre. Uh and then I went to NXFM, which was like the big Austereo station. How did you there. get in there? Someone heard me on air on the weekend. So you'd been on UFM. You managed to start getting on air. Yeah, yeah. So I hustled. They gave me mid dawns. Have you ever done a mid dawn? I did five years of them. It's the I did worst. like that was my that was my full time gig. I was a full time mid dawner. How long? Five years. Ah, uh, that would have part time five years. Clock. I did full time mid dawns about two and a half. Ooh. Yeah, I only did like. Three months and it was three months too many. All right. And also, I'm not real good with buttons. You gotta be good with buttons. You gotta be good with buttons. It was all like live panel as well, like nothing auto, all live and oh God. But someone heard you. Yeah. How'd they track you down? I did weekends. I did weekends because they needed someone and they were like, oh, Tanya can basically press the button. So, yeah, you know, and it was dodgy. Like it was a dodgy station, sort of where anything went. Uh, Yeah, I don't know who, uh, Jace Allen, Jace Allen, who's the content director of Today FM. Yeah, and he was like, do you want to come in for an interview? And I was like, oh, my God. Like, yes. This, you know, that's the station I grew up listening to. And uh, they were like, yeah, you can do trial shifts, like, from 10 till midnight. And I did that for a while. Then I got on weekends. And then they were like, you should be in breakfast. And so I trialed with a bunch of stations and I got Griffith breakfast and I did breakfast in Griffith, which was crazy. Have you been to Griffith? There's nothing there. Uh, it's beautiful. Let me let me just like for people that uh, just to get, say, if you want a job in radio, you basically have to go and live in regional regional parts of the country, rural. Sorry, rural parts of the country, um, and do your time. You got to do time. Mm-hmm. You got to do time, and that's that's just it. And so they'll the regional station, rural stations, uh, <laughs> full of really, really. Very well dressed, um, you know, you know, inner city worked all their life. People who are in the like water where on the planet, yeah, you know, they don't recognize where they are. And I had no idea how to do content for that audience. And I was like, "What's local? What's relatable?" Oh, they, they, um, they were castrating their um, bulls on, like as a, like that's a thing that because it's a huge agriculture t- town and. I was like, oh, okay, so I castrated a bull live on air. So much trouble because I was like, oh, it's testicles. How do I pull the testicles? It was so inappropriate. You know, you learn the hard way. Did you get in trouble? Absolutely because you can't talk about testes at 810. Not when you're holding a penis of a cow. Bull. Bull. Yes. Obviously, I didn't learn much. <laughs> you got to get the cow's pronoun right. Well, I was trying to get local content. And I thought I was doing a bang-up job until I got a phone call being like, Tanya Hennessy, never again. Anyway, you've got to test the water, to, you know. And I, I, it was so regional that I, would, I remember I put my hand out on the desk one day and a mouse ran across my hand. Excellent. There was an emu to my, like, left that I could just frequently see. Griffith has so much weed there. You can, like, just smoke it on the street. And when you're 28? 28. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then I got a, I wrote, I wrote uh, Toowoomba on my wall because I thought that would be because you know, 
Griffith was 30,000, 150,000 uh, audience. Market size, yeah. Market size would be a reasonable size and literally no shit. Mickey Ma, the head of regional, called me and goes, hey, we've got a gig in Toowoomba. I was like, bullshit, it's on my wall. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, can you start in two weeks? So we moved to Toowoomba. And I did, I did. Mickey Ma's first Thundercross with him. I love him so much. He's so hot. The first time I met him, I was he's like, he's so good looking. Fuck. He's, this is the content. He's now the head honcho at Triple M or something like that. Yes. Yeah, he's massive now. Massive. Yeah, I remember he was this smart kid, beautiful kid, good looking guy. Just really got the got it. mechanics it. of radio and was one of those guys who went, I could do on air, but I'm better off it. And he then he went off air and just his career exploded. Yeah. Tell me about writing to Wumba. Tell me about manifesting the thing into reality. Uh, I didn't understand it at the time, but I wrote a bunch of things on my wall that I wanted to achieve. Like I wanted to write for news.com. Okay, here's the other thing. When I left theatre, uh, the reason I was working stage management and stuff was because I was trying to be a performer and that was the logical step for me. So... When I left theatre, I was like, and went into radio, I was like, this has to work because if this doesn't work, you've given up everything. You've moved home to Newcastle. You've got no money. You've always wanted to say something. Now's your chance. Don't fuck it up, man. Do not fuck this up. And so when I was in, in Griffith, I just wrote on the wall all the things I wanted to achieve and then just worked really hard to get there. Like I worked seven days a week. I was in there crazy hours, like tr- listening to every breakfast show going, what are they doing? How, what's my angle on this? And there was no content director out there, which is someone who listens to you and gives you air checks. And I was brand new. Like I was four months in working. I went through five co-announcers in Griffith. The first one was a drunk and got fired. And, oh, my God, the next guy was allergic to the town. And, oh, you know, and the mental strength of living in a town by yourself <laughs> in a one-bedroom apartment where you work crazy hours. You know, I went to bed at 7 o'clock and then I'd, wake up at 4 or sometimes 3.30 just to get across the news, to write sketches. And, uh, yeah, I wrote it on the board and I wrote a bunch of other things and just ploughed towards it. So what did you write? Toowoomba, news.com. I wanted to work in social media. I wanted Jules Lund to notice me, super random, because when I went to NIDA, Jules Lund was like the poster child of presenting. He was? Yeah, so I was like, I want to be a presenter. I should, i got mm. to get in front of Jules Lund. How do I get in front of Jules Lund? Strangely enough, he worked at the Hit Network at that point and I sent him a, a showreel, like, of, of TV presenting and I thought he's going to write, like, who the fuck is this? Don't email me. And he wrote back and said, can I call you? And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, manifesting works. And he called me and he's like, hey, you are great, but you are a terrible TV presenter. <laughs> he's like, but I like your personality. Wow. You should do two-minute videos and put them on Facebook. And he goes, don't put them on YouTube. No one sees them. Jules Lund has this exceptional mind for the future. It's like he sees the future. It's like put it online. It'll go really well. And don't just say this to my face and never do the video. Do the video. And I was like, okay. Two weeks later I did a video. It was called The Difference Between 18 to 30. This was 2015 and it hit 1.3 million views overnight. And I sent it to Jules and he was like, oh, shit. Like, this was the time when viral videos weren't so much of a thing. And he was like, oh, my God, I can't believe. And he goes, now keep going. And that is the piece of advice that's always stuck with me. Now keep going. And I've kept making videos ever since. And collectively I have an amassed 700 million views on my videos. And last year I got flown to L.A. by Facebook because I was the highest viewed Australian creator in Australia. 
the highest viewed uh, Facebook creator in Australia. <laughs> so that was really cool. So you write on your wall, I want to work in social media. <laughs> no, I just wanted to be heard and I just never realised that the vessel would be that. But after that video I got um, a lot of attention because it went crazy and then mm. news.com wanted to publish my stories and then I really mm. got a feel for what content was and the kind of content that I wanted to make. Mm. And uh, then I got moved to Canberra with Ryan, my co-announcer, who is uh, an exceptional creative person. And we did breakfast radio in Canberra for two years and I wrote on my board, I'm going to write a book. I want to win Cosmo Woman of the Year. I want to win two Acras. Like everything that I wrote. So you should see my list now. It's wild. Win an Emmy. <laughs> Tell me about the – because you can't just – like we said before, you can't just, you know – I mean, I say this all the time. You can't just hire a PT and accept the, expect the six-pack to show up. Yeah. You, you've got to have to lift the weight. you got to work. And you got to go, no, thanks, I won't have that. I'm going to eat something else right now. You've got to do the work. Yeah, and that's the work. So part. tell me about the difference between like the space between writing something on a wall. It's not like you're casting a spell. No. But maybe you are. What happens between writing it down and the thing happening? What What does writing it down do to help it happen? Uh, well, it's uh, next to my bed and I have the same quotes. I've got a bunch of quotes that says, one of them is, uh, it's, better be, it's better to be terrified and do it than be terrified and not do it. And I've sort of lived my life by that mantra because I'm like, fuck, I'm going to be scared anyway. May as well do it. Mm. <laughs> and then my mission of things that I want to do, it's because you wake up every day and you see it and you go to bed and you see it. And it just keeps you focused. And it makes me go, what's next? What's next? Does that, do you think subconsciously it affects your decision making through the day? Yes, for sure. But everything I do, and this is why I sometimes like, have so many weight issues is because I go, no, but I've got to get that thing, which is dangerous in a way because I'm always looking for the next thing instead of living in the now. Mm. Hashtag self-aware. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think having it written down makes you accountable. You look at it. Um, I don't think too much about it other than that. I wish I could um, articulate myself better around manifesting, but sometimes I'm worried about talking about it too much because, like, I'm so airy-fairy. You don't want like, the magic to go away? Yes. Yes. No, I, I, I've done the same thing. I'm, I'm magic shit into reality. Yes. And it's interesting hearing your take on it that I'm, I'm finding more and more now that if it, it does, I find that if I constantly remind myself of it, uh, it doesn't have to be all day, but little decisions that I make through the day all keep, say, if, for example, if you were sailing a ship between here and Los Angeles, mm. okay? You may have to do a bit of swerving around Fiji, but it's pretty much a straight shot. Right. I say that with zeros, like... No, no, that's fine. ...knowledge. I'm like, yeah, sure. Oh, okay, well, let's say you're flying a plane. It is a straight shot. There's nothing in the way between, mm -hmm. the, air, between the airfield in Sydney, between the runway in Sydney and the runway at LAX. There's mm -hmm. nothing in the way. If you get up to altitude and point, you should yeah. end up there, all right? Mm -hmm. But wind's going to blow left and right. And then you course correct. Autopilot does it, but you course correct. A few degrees, a few degrees, a few degrees, and you keep that way. And that's what I feel that the manifesting does is that it just kind of puts this subconscious course correction in your head. Go, actually, no, I'm, you know, for example, like right now I'm, I'm trying to definitely work on, on getting, you know, trying to get a chunk of my income not to come from television, all right? Well, I'm trying to do the opposite. <laughs> right. Well, 
you know, that's 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 what I'm trying to do. Yeah. All right. And and which which means like you're kind of diversifying and and you know, so what are tiny little things that happen through the day? You know, how do I respond to this email? If someone asks me this question, can you do this gig? Is that in the direction that I want to go? Actually, it's not. Yes. So I'll I will thank you and say no. But sometimes that's really hard when, like I said, when you've gone for 150 castings and you've you know like just when you want it so much and you try so hard and then and then people say, hey, do you want this thing? To say no to it is actually really difficult. But exactly what, like you said, if it's not putting you on the right path, it's not doing its job. So for me, stuff that's on my board for this year is really kind of making sure that people know I'm not an influencer and not a YouTuber. So what are the choices that I have to make to have that uh, transpire? And a lot of that is changing the type of content that I do, um, making sure I don't go to particular events, the type of people that I'm with, because all of that influences the way that the optics of the way you are perceived. But it's also, I want to be around people who are creative and artistic and have the same mind as me. And often those aren't YouTubers or influencers. Right. Yeah, you're not one of those people. But people think I am. And trying to shift that is really difficult. People don't even know I'm a radio announcer and I'm eight years in. And I have um, tried so much harder in radio than I ever have in digital. I film all my videos on a phone, this phone, and edit it as well. Edit, film and edit on this phone, like this dodgy iPhone 8 that I've had for four years because I'm scared if I get a new phone, the magic will go. Right. So, like, but radio, like, I come and, like, do crazy hours. I really care about, about the beginning, middle and end. I'm really focused on making someone late to work because it's so engaging. How can I do that? So I kind of get frustrated when people go, you're a YouTuber. And I'm like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) What do you give a fuck what they think, though? Oh, God, it's counselling. I'm really asking. Like, why do you care? Um, you, know, you know what you make. They didn't do 1.3 million videos over, you know, yeah, they didn't keep going. Kind of they didn't have 700 million people watch. They didn't keep going. They didn't keep doing it. They haven't created a, a, a you know, a back catalogue of robust content. Yeah. Why do you give a shit? I think it's that because I've worked so hard in the radio industry, I really want to be rewarded or known for my work and contribution hmm. as opposed to maybe something that I feel like I cheated my way through. Like, I know I didn't cheat in radio because I went to Griffith. I worked for free. I have worked crazy hours. I have given up my body, my mind, my sanity, my relationships, my every wedding I've missed for, for radio. But I've never done anything really too much in digital. I've never really cared about it because I've just it's come very naturally to me. And you should always follow the path that's natural. So maybe I'm answering my own question here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's come really easily to me digital. The audience came to me overnight. Like I released a video called like the makeup tutorial in 2017 and that video had like 300 million views. Like I was in vogue, every like every digital and I just became like my life just changed. And but, it, yeah, it, but I just didn't care and I made it at 10 o'clock at night. The next morning I was in at 3.30 doing my radio show doing a, an arc that I really cared about. Yeah. But this thing was celebrated that I gave no fucks about. So maybe that's why. Ah. Uh. But I don't like being called a YouTuber because I've not really given the same effort that I have for radio. 
and also I wrote a book and like I feel like I want people to see my legitimate stuff. I'm like, I tried really hard at writing this book. I tried really hard at ah, love me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the part this is this is the part where um This is called daddy issues now. Oh really? No. <laughs> All right. Kind of. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's always my favourite card in Cards Against Humanity. That's always my favourite card. <laughs> it's a good one. I was thinking about doing something with it, like a podcast or something called Daddy Issues. Daddy Issues. Oh, that'd be good. Right? And it's just a bunch of broken women. It's so like every woman. That'd be really good. Mm-hmm. I, uh, in my, my my very brief Tinder single uh, Los Angeles experience. Oh, that would have been fun in LA. Okay, no. I had grey in my beard. <laughs> I was in my late 30s. Yeah, but that's like. Mate. Salt and pepper shake. It was <laughs> daddy issues is what you would call that experience. See, you should do it. I backed away from that. <laughs> like, Real quick. This is awful. You could have got nothing down good will come out of the this. Sugar daddy tr- thing. My friends are sugar baby in LA. What? Mm. Have, have you be- seen Widows? That movie Widows. Uh-uh. One of the characters does that. Oh really? Yeah, she goes on like. Everyone does that in LA. You're like. Uh, arrangements or something.com. Yes. It's basically, yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Would you write another book? Yeah, I was just actually talking about that with my coach this morning. Because like back to I'm the CEO of my own company and mm-hmm. I am my own product and I have to manage my own product and my own products packaging and everything mm-hmm. everything I also have a meeting every couple of weeks with you know someone to help me go okay so what, what are you doing where are we going where are we going yes. what are we going to do with and then I have my management team to help me execute that oh wow yeah yeah you got a big super, team yeah yeah it's, well it's congrats cool. on your book I know your book got nominated for biography of the year for that the blows ABS. My mind. <sighs> I was dying when I saw that. I was so excited for you. The Australian Book Industry Association, the ABR. Yeah. But, I mean... Uh, I'm up against Jonathan Thurston. Come on. Like, yeah, but he didn't write Celeste, the whole thing. And Celeste Barber. I'm up against Celeste Barber, whose story is incredible. Like, it's never uh, happen. Yeah, but it's different. It's different. Like, yeah. yours has a truth and... and uh, <sighs> I'm listening to it on um, audiobooks. Oh, I recorded it in that room with Audrey. As yeah, the she executive. said she produced it. She produced it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm still like I'm not. I'm not even. I'm only at the beginning. So, but That's right. it's different. Like that, you can't. You how can you compare? Like I've not read Celeste's book, but I believe it's quite funny. Yeah. Compared to like a, a really intense, truthful, painful life story. Like it's different. You can't. We'll see what happens. That's nice. Yeah. We, is it like the Logies? Do you get to dress up? I don't know. I have no idea. 
I have no I have no idea. Rosie Waterland said, "Oh, it's brilliant. Nerdy people wearing nice clothes." I don't even know what it is. I, I don't even know if I get invited. If I'm on the I'm on the oh, long yeah. list, so I don't know. I think maybe only the short list gets to go. I don't know what it is. Either way, you get the sticker on your book. I, oh, I shut think up! So I feel long like- list. Maybe. Fuck it. You should put a sticker on it. I should go around to bookshops and sticker them. I was going around signing them for a while. You know you're not allowed to do that. Fuck them. Yeah, it's different because, like, of you, but, like, I signed my book in a shop and they were like, ma'am, you can't do that. And I was like, oh, it's my book. And they're like, yeah, we know. We can't give it <laughs> we back. Can see- <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. We can't give it back if to it the doesn't publisher sell. if it doesn't sell. Yeah. And I was like, fuck you. My book sold relatively well. <laughs> no, it, it did. I have a weird self-depreciation thing where I can't admit my own success. It's strange. Well, I, well this I would, as, as someone who has been there, mm-hmm. as someone, and you'll get to this part in the book, as someone who stood there at the end of the first Idol Grand Final or the second Idol Grand Final, which had more people oh. watching, which was the hugest, it was the biggest broadcast ever in the history of anything ever. Is that Casey Donovan's Casey win? Donovan, yeah. I walked off stage and I felt nothing. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel any kind of self-congratulation. I didn't feel any kind of achievement. I felt fucking zip. And that is that was an unhealthy place to be. So because then I started looking for that in unhealthy places and looking for that stimulation of what I thought was going be to fulfill this that. in quite unhealthy places. So I would counsel you, uh, if you're open to it, to perhaps – work on feeling those moments. And it's hard. It is. It is it's because really you are in this creative space where you're constantly churning, churning. But it goes back to what we were talking about before. It goes back to the why. Why do you want to do it? If why, if your why is notice me when they do notice you, is it going to tick the box? No, it's it probably doesn't. doesn't. No, it's more um, – I just – Sometimes making comedy is so difficult, particularly in this day and age, that being self-depreciating is really what's well, the best way to do it because making fun of yourself, it does not offend anyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. sometimes I'm so concerned because the last thing I would ever want is to be on the front page of a newspaper saying something because I was uneducated or not across it and yeah, just said it yeah. in a moment. You know what I mean? Those types yeah, of yeah. news stories, you see them and they're just harrowing. Yeah. So I just never want to get in a situation where I say something embarrassing that I probably don't even mean to say. Because I was trying to be funny, whereas if I say it about myself, uh-huh. you can cancel me. You know what I mean? Yes. Like people can't get mad at you because it's yourself. True. True, true. The, maybe I just need to expand my comedic dialogue. The idea of wanting to make someone late for work, though, that you have in radio, that's, that me, that, you know, that why for me, that sounds like. That's a sustainable thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I remember once we did in Toowoomba, which is a landlocked area, they were doing the Ironman competition in the Gold Coast, which was an hour and a half away, and I was like, oh, my God, we should do the Ironman competition. But because we're landlocked, we have no water, let's do it with men and ironing boards. And, like, you know, this is regional. Classic. Yeah. The classic. It's Cla- brilliant. It's classic, yeah. And, you know, because it's regional radio, like I had to buy all the irons and the ironing boards and stuff, but, like, I didn't care. And I remember someone coming up to me at a race day in Toowoomba being like, I couldn't get out of my car because that was so ridiculous. And I was like, thank you for validating everything. I've All I want to do is make you late for work. Mm. I want to make something so compelling that you cannot stop listening. Like I remember listening to Hamish and Andy, they did this random segment and it was called What Song Do You Sing When the Game of Thrones? You know, and it was ridiculous phone topic. I could I was late to get 
to my radio show because I was listening to this content going, fuck, this is so engaging. How can I do this? How can I tell amazing stories and make and change people's lives? Because people say, oh, we're not changing people's lives. It's not life or death. And I think, no, fuck, it could be. When I was in uh, Canberra, I interviewed a friend of mine who was terminally ill with skin cancer and I interviewed him three months before he died. He was only 24 and it was the most confronting conversation and I said to him, are you afraid to die? And he said, no, what scares me is I'm afraid of not living. And I was like, you're amazing. And this woman called in the station a couple of weeks after he died and said, I want to speak to Braden's parents because I was listening to that interview and I got my skin checked and I could have had terminal cancer. And if I hadn't have got it checked after listening to that interview, I could have died and lost my life and my child wouldn't have a mother. And so I do believe that the arts is about life or death. Absolutely is. It absolutely is. And and while you may not care about the Facebook videos that you make, one point three million people don't like that. The, you only get you only get that amount of views because one person said to another person, "Hey, you should watch this." Yes, that's which humbling. means you have connected with the first person, and then you've connected with the second person through the first person. So now you are associated with the first person. Oh no, Barry always sends me great videos. All right, and so that connection exists extraordinarily through the films you make. P.S. Imagine if my target audience was Barry. Barry's awesome. My live for Barry. I just Barry's my go-to <laughs> name. Whenever I'm making shows up, Barry's always my... Oh, my, really? Bar- Barry's also my always contestant number one is Barry. I was like Kevin or Glenn. I really yeah. want to have a Pomeranian and call it Kevin. <laughs> it's a good name to yell over a dog park. Right? You want a hard consonant. Mm-hmm. Consonant. You want a hard and consonant. And it's because it's a ridiculous name for such a cute dog. Mm-hmm. But as you can see, I'm deflecting from your comment because okay. I feel so uncomfortable hearing positive things about me because I just work. I don't stop. I just work. I just go forward. Right. Instead of listening. Maybe in your 10 minutes out the front door, 10 minutes back, Mm -hmm. you can give yourself, no one has to know that it's going on in your head. You can just take those steps and take those moments and go, yeah. I'm fucking the best. I'm pretty fucking good. Imagine. I'm fucking great. No, I think sometimes I just do need to take stock and I think it's important for everyone to take stock of like, you know, what they do regardless of the gig that they have. I'm only only saying it because of like what I've Mm -hmm. done is that I didn't. And then I searched for that elsewhere and it became utterly unsustainable on the people that I was in relationships with, be they intimate or or professional, Mm -hmm. because they're never going to get me what I want. They're never going to be able to give me what I need because it's an unfillable well. It's a, you can shove everything down that well. You can put, you know, fucking business class tickets and three hundred dollar t shirts and whatever <laughs> Means the fuck. Nothing. None of it touches the sides. You think it will, but none of it touches the sides. You're and the you only think one. it will. And yeah. you think it will, and when it comes you're like, Oh, if you're not happy, you're not happy. And it doesn't you can't fill it with things yeah. and stuff. True. I was at an after party at an awards show <laughs> and there was a man sitting by himself. Is incredibly successful businessman, incredibly successful. One thirty in the morning, the party is heaving, and he's staring into his. This is how long ago? I was staring into his BlackBerry. Oh well, yeah. And he's crankily, you know, writing emails, and mm. you know he wasn't like having a text exchange with someone. He's crankily writing, banging out an email. Mm. It's like you're a fucking billionaire. Why? Are you- and it's one thirty in the morning, and you're at this. Fucking super glitzy party. Everyone's here and you are not happy. Fuck. <laughs> what chance do you have? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? When you see stuff yeah. like that, you're like, geez. Yeah. But that's when you go, and you know when people who are big uh, celebrities and, and, and they are uh, sad, people are like, why? You've got so much money. It's like money doesn't bring back your family. Money doesn't make you happy. Money, it's, yeah. There's a certain amount is required to exist in our society. Yeah. You need a roof over your head. When people say, oh, you're a celebrity, what problems would you have? I find that so, it's like, but they're people. There's no, people don't think about the humanity in celebrities because they think they're a Oh, you're a celebrity. You mustn't have feelings. You're a celebrity. Mm-hmm. You can have whatever you want. You're a celebrity. You get free things. You're like, but I'm also a human being and I bleed and I cry and I have issues and I have family members who've passed away and I've got damage. Mm-hmm. This is because I'm famous. Doesn't, like, I, I don't feel that, but I feel like I'm always that person on air defending Justin Bieber because I'm like, no, I can understand. He's been through so much. I'm astonished that he's alive. Same. You're 18 years old. I think he's older now, right? No, but at the age of 18. Yeah. Click, talk, click, clock ticks over. There you go, Juzzy, 100 mil. How do you not just, like, explode in a, in a, in a whirling dust of MDMA and sex workers? <laughs> like, at 100 miles an hour in, like, driving two Lamborghinis at once down the 101. Right. How do, how do you, like, that story's been written so many times. How is he still alive? That's incredible that he's still alive, you know? All the tattoos and bad behaviour, like, that's okay. He's I still agree. with he's us. He's still here. He's still with us. He, he The amount of, you know, people who have, that story's been told many, many, many times and it rarely ends up with the person still being okay. Agreed. Amy Winehouse is a great example of that. Oh, fuck. Did you watch that movie? Oh. oh. Her, it starts with her. If you've not seen it, it starts with her. Daddy issues. She could have been on it. But it starts with her as like a 12-year-old and then it ends with her in a body bag. And seeing the body bag is just too much, isn't That's it? full on, isn't it? I was like, who approved this? Oh, the daddy. The daddy. Yes. Yeah, oh, it's hectic, hectic. I feel like I could stay here all day because I really want to talk about Michael Jackson documentary. But let's do that later. I <laughs> uh, haven't seen it. I've kind of deliberately avoided it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's full on. And it's four hours as well. I don't know. Do you watch a lot of TV? Uh Less than I'd like to uh, when we're not in Game of Thrones or Westworld oh, you like or that? Mr. Robot season. Oh. I don't mm-hmm. know what to do. Like we've just uh, – True Detective just finished and now I don't know what to do with my life. So, But you don't watch reality TV? Um, I watch Bachelor. So do you feel it weird watching yourself though? I actually still get a kick out of it because Idol, Idol was live. Yeah, so true. we never saw it. But what about the casting on auditions and stuff? Um, well, they were only a couple of episodes. They were only in and out. Yeah. And Twitter didn't exist at the time. So. And are you seeing it for the first time or are you seeing an edit? What? Batch? Yeah. Like, have you seen the episode and then you're re-watching it televised? Um, because uh, it's really interesting, the effects of a person on the show tweeting about the show, what that does to the bottom line. So I now get to watch the episodes in advance. Dan Buff was always fucked at me because he's like, you motherfucker, you watched it earlier. Oh, so you, you had your gifts ready. You had your gifts ready. It's so true. But that's okay. It's all a part of it. I think it's a part. It's an, it's extraordinary. Um, so, yeah, I watch, I watch it go out live and I get such a massive kick out of if I, like, do you know how our new Bachelor is? Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Great pick. 
He's an astrophysicist. Perfect. So I have, and I so hope it makes the cut, I've made like a, a, like a Mack truck through the front wall of a McDonald's-size um, physics pun oh in God. the first row ceremony. I so hope. <laughs> <laughs> like I've prepped this, guys. Like, it's got to go in. Like I, I, like, I, I, I deliberately script stuff. <laughs> I deliberately put stuff in like this and I do stuff I'm like, this is going to be a gif. Yeah. And I, I, I deliberately make it like that purely That's for so the watching experience of of someone from within the show commenting about the show. Like I'll set up a gag inside the show that I can deliver the punchline on via Twitter. Amazing. Amazing. But it's six months between the two. No, so. you know what you have to do? I have an idea. You should do a TV show called Inside the Meme. Yeah. And you should do like – everything from the scripting of the joke and then to watching it come out online and yeah. seeing it become a gif or seeing yeah. it become a meme and seeing the, like, you know how memes beget memes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. memes. Like, that would be so interesting. You're my favourite one of them. The, you ever see the Jimmy Kimmel girl doing the handstand catching on fire? Yes. That was, like, the greatest the greatest use of network television crossing over to internet trolling, creating your own content. It was just Fucking amazing. That was ages ago now. Yeah, but it was right? still, it was extraordinary that they did it. Mm-hmm. It was just fucking excellent. I didn't realise how self-aware you were when you were doing the show. Oh, yeah. You kind of have to be, right? Yeah. If you, you Are the contestants as self-aware as you? Are they going, like Tara, for example, I felt like she was the meme queen. Um, like, is no, she ever going, no, 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 ooh, no, no, no. I'll say you this, so no, I'll be a meme? No, that's just who she was. They're just who they are. They are who they are. Right. They are. That, that's, that's the thing that a lot of people, I don't think, quite gar- grasp about reality television they they are who they are we just film it That's i'm excited for are. paradise because i love cat just because i know that you've been there and i'm like desperate to pick i love her so much i can't tell you anything and kira i mean kira's just like reality gold so like last season um i don't think i've genuinely cared about a couple so much about kira and Jared, and when they broke up, I cried. I didn't even cry when Princess Diana died. <laughs> like, but I cried about these guys. I was just so invested in their relationship. And yeah. Paradise is such a different uh, form. It's looser. It's, it's great. It, but yeah. Well, this is going to be my last unpack, so I'm going to finish with Paradise. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you getting out? Well, because I feel like I've I've made as many jokes as I can make. Without think, insulting the contestants, and I don't want to do that. I like I have to be really careful. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't want to be a dick to people. That's really important. I'm I I'm I'm the same in that uh, I have I I there's a line right, and I think and and Joe Thornley who was here the other day, she's a voracious. Oh, she's a wonderful tweeter. She's a great tweeter, great bachelor tweeter, mm-hmm. uh, which is how I came to know who she was. And then she wrote this book about cults. I'm like, you've got to come on my podcast. Yeah, like I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Um, she made a great line. She she made a great call. She says, "Oh, I think people's choices are absolutely fair game, but people's appearances are not." Oh yeah, no. So their choices are fair game. But their appearances are not. And I think that's a pretty good line. That's a pretty good line as far as publicly commenting on reality TV. Yes. That's a pretty good line. Yeah. I just – I'm so anti-bullying and trolling, obviously. Yeah. Who isn't. <laughs> um, but I just really don't want to 
because there's only so much I can comment on the structure of the show or the mm. activities they're doing because they do tend to repeat themselves and I've been doing it for three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. So you can only do Stop. so much. Do so much. Well, I'm grateful, to, I'm grateful to, to, to come out on your last hurrah. Yeah, exactly. That's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. People have been uh, listening to us talk um, for some time now but I feel that there is you have the gift that uh, you can give a lot of people listening. Um, if someone has heard you say, I auditioned 150 times mm-hmm. for something. And I still have a career. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty All right. <laughs> what would you say to someone who's, yeah, let's just say, in the mid 40s of that 150? Whatever it might be, it might be I want a job in finance or I'm a primary school teacher and I just can't fucking get it over the line. These kids are just owning me every day. Like, or, you know, I work in aged care and I can't get my shit together. Hit me. All right. My someone told me this in a Telstra ad casting that I didn't get, obviously. Uh, she said, just outwork them. Your res- resilience will define your career. So my piece of advice would be, uh, <laughs> I was always like, I'm not going to be the best radio announcer, but I'm always going to be the one who works the hardest to try and be the best. So outwork every motherfucker. And you have two things in life. You have either results or excuses. So maybe you're not working hard enough and if you want excuses, that's fine, but that's not okay for me and I want results. And I should probably apply that to my weight loss story. <laughs> Just thinking about it now. But, yeah, like, yeah. I, and, and also, like, maybe if that door's not opening, try another window because um, I knew that I was funny. I felt like there was a part of me that just I just couldn't stop. So, like, maybe you're just knocking on the wrong door. So maybe just slightly change your focus. So you're saying knock – if you're trying to get into the house, maybe, try maybe, the, the, front, maybe yeah. the front door's not the way. Yeah, because I always thought I was going to be an actor and the acting door was like, no, thanks, you can't act. <laughs> and I, I've watched my tapes back. I truly could not act. But the window was radio and an act and, – and, you know, when I auditioned and, and was at NIDA and they said, we just can't see you being a presenter, when I – I just filled on the filled in on the loop uh, for ten weeks, and I was like, "Holy shit, I'm a TV presenter!" And I thought, and "You know what? I got here because I was myself." So, like, maybe the greatest role I'll ever play is me. I love it. I love <laughs> it. You'd be you probably wouldn't be surprised, or you might be surprised how often the outwork thing has come up on this show. No. Yeah. It's that's it. One of my favorite podcasts you did um, was with Maz Compton yeah, on this podcast. She's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. I listened to it twice. Who the fuck listens to interviews twice? But I do. Okay, great. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I listen to podcasts multiple. Okay, good. Often. And I was in Canberra, and I felt like you were just asking so many great questions that really informed me moving up and on with Maz particularly. And when I met her, I was like, oh. I listened to this podcast you did with Archer. It was amazing. She's incredible. Like I'm again, like so fucking lucky that I was born with a penis. <laughs> yeah. Working in an industry like radio, it's tough. Mm-hmm. I watched my uh, ex of mine. Uh, we were in radio together, and I just watched gigs just not go her way. And I was like, man, this is in the nineties, but still, a woman in radio, a hard gig, hard gig. It's hard. You've got I just to work love so it fucking hard. You've got to work hard, but I just love it so much. I just can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine doing anything else. And hopefully I'll go back to full time or maybe I'll find a TV job or maybe I can marry the two. I just really want to tell stories and yeah. good stories and compelling stories. That's it. The and be guy, happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the other guy that said that was uh, my, my old manager, my old LA manager, and he said, only you know how hard you've worked to make your dreams come true. Oh, that's a good one. 
Can you lie in bed at night and go, I didn't get the gig. But fuck, I work for it. Fuck, I work for it. So, okay. Or do you lie in bed at night and go, didn't get the gig. Fuck, man. I spent 20 minutes getting ready for it in the car before I went in. Fuck, that one's on me. Exactly. And taking responsibility for shit actually really uh, liberates you because the minute you go, fuck, I did that wrong, you can learn from your mistake. Like, I will always over-prep for shit. And I I know it sounds weird and people will watch me and be like, oh, wow, you're so off the cuff. It's because I'm mentally so prepared um, for everything and anything. And I've done so many things, uh, even if they're not necessary, so I'm resilient and so I can perform at my best. I'm used to If people call me shit whilst I'm performing, my brain is so switched on and switched in that I will not, I I can't be faulted. And so that's why I know that I'm, like, probably ready for a, a bigger gig if you know what i mean yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Stephen tate if you're listening <laughs> let's let's leave people with the arts and crafts section of the show um tell me like people have been you know they've heard me talk about manifesting they've heard you talk about manifesting say someone's like this is hocus pocus how can someone if you think it's hocus pocus it'll never happen right so sorry like just if you don't if, if you I get annoyed when people say that it's like ridiculous and you're like, well, I've got results. So like if it works for me, it works for me. So what's you, what, what do people do? Say people listening, all right, that's it. I'm going to write on my wall what in my rental do? in Griffith. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? Do you have a board? I write it in that book every morning. Oh, a book? Okay. That book right there. Right oh, cool. Um, it's very artsy of you. Um, I have a piece of paper that I often take from the radio station I'm working, just an A4 piece of paper, get a texter, like a thick black texter, and January the 1st, but it can be any effing day, write on the the piece of paper what you want and put it somewhere where when you wake up you see it and when you go to bed you see it. That's what I do. Yeah. Do you have stuff for this year, stuff for five years? Um, I just go one year at a time, but uh, I always know where I'm going. Mm -hmm. So one of my things for this year is that I really, really want to move to the States well, for, the, for the next year. So I'm trying to work on that. What's in America? Uh, I really want to work for the incubator program on Comedy Central, where, which is where um, Amy Schumer started. So a lot of what is manifested is you have to, like if you look at someone successful and then go, How, what path did they take? That's really helpful because then it gives you clear steps as opposed to I'll just say anything and it'll happen. Yeah. So I, I know what Amy Schumer has done for her career. I've watched Rebel Wilson. I've met Rebel Wilson and asked her as well. Like I was on set with her and I was like, fuck it, I'm not wasting this opportunity. I was like, how should I move to LA? <laughs> Straight out. No, great question. Yeah. And she, we had heaps of time on set and she was really like fine to hmm. answer it and like she was really concise. I was almost like, can't you just ask me to live with you or give me a gig? Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't work like that. I don't know. But I think it's, it's super important what you said is like study those, as you mentioned, as you studied when you're on Breakfast Radio, study those who've done what you want to do. And like say, for example, in sport, the path is super clear. Like mm-hmm. if you want to play for, I don't know, say the Australian f- soccer team, right. all right, you go, okay, so where's the, where's the junior division female feeder schools? Where's the, school, where's the teams? Where's the schools they recruit from? How do I get there? What skills do I need to be there? And there's the coaching pathway. Like it's, it's, it's there. There's documentaries about it, all right? Yeah. You can see the pathway from being an eight-year-old girl who's good at kicking a ball around to walking on the pitch for the Matildas, all right? It's, it's, you can see it. It's emblazoned. Yes. Yet someone like a little more obscure, like Amy Schumer, like entrepreneurs, their stories quite often well quite told. But someone in the creative arts, someone in that, you know, you, 
it can start with just reaching out and asking them. I can't tell you how many emails I wrote back to. I say, yeah, this is what I did. You may not like the sound of it, but this is like fucking I five years before anything well. happens. And I'm always like, oh, pre- like, I don't know, prepare, get resilient. Yeah. Get- Do six months for free, which is what you did. No one works for – not saying like I know that was an article like millennials don't work for free. I was like, babes, it's, it's muffin break. Like, it's, did you remember that it's news article? I was like, but when it's – when it's what you want to do and it's what you care about and it's all you want, you work for free. I was 26 and I work for free with a degree. Like if what you want, like what what you mean or what you want to say, that's always going to be louder than the money in your pocket. You'll always find money. But if your desire is to make something great, then that should be a louder voice that calls you. I can't think of a better place to end this show. That was freaking gospel. <laughs> Cultural appropriation. <laughs> Hit me. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Anything that I can do to speed your entrance to the Comedy Central uh, oh, incubator. incubator program. Well, they're good. I actually met with them twice, um, Comedy Central. So, yeah, I have US management, which is really cool um, and really surreal. I still find it really super weird. And they're fabulous. But, I mean, Osh, if you know anyone... I'm going to stop rolling and we'll keep talking. <laughs> yes. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. I'm going to take a photo, you. all right? Yes. Okay, cool. That was Tanya Hennessy. You can find her online everywhere. Tanya, T-A-N-Y-A, Hennessy, H-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y. Thank you so much, Tanya, for being on the show. And I'm grateful that I was able to bring it to you as a part of the best of 2019 if you missed it the first time around or just hadn't revisited it because it's a cracker to get on again. Thank you very much to everyone that helped me make the show this year. Um, Thank you, Rachel Barrett, my extraordinary producer. She is just the best and I wouldn't have the output that I have without her. Thank you very much to Andy Marr, my audio producer who allows every single one of these podcasts to happen. He's great. Thank you, Toe Hider, who made all the music. Thank you, Audrey, for being a fucking beacon for me, for the kids, for everyone. I wouldn't be doing any of this if it weren't for you, Audrey. And you, thank you for listening. Be brave. Have that conversation this week. Remember, you've done it before. You've done it around sexism. You've done it around misogyny. You've done it around homophobia. You've done it around racism. You can do it around climate change. You can. I believe in you. Let us know how you went. Send us your email at gmail.com. Have a great week. Until we talk next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 